Today we're beginning a series in the Gospel of John, and uh, Pastor John and I were talking about it. We started to frame it out two weeks ago, and if you know either of us well, this won't surprise you, but we, we actually, the way we thought about it was funny. We said, well, we can just skip the beginning because people are familiar with that, and we'll just jump into the story. So we almost skipped the, the beginning of the Gospel of John, which is the prologue. And um, so I sat with the, the text I'll talk about next week for about a week, and then we meet every Monday, and we sat down, and the first thing he said to me was, wait, why, why were we skipping the beginning of the Gospel of John? And um, I, we both kind of came to the same logic that, um, no, we're not going to skip this, of course. And it's amazing how time will often work to bring us to the right place. But here we are at the beginning of the Gospel of John. We're going to start with the prologue, and it reminds me um, of just the good things that we have in life that we don't know what to do with, um, and maybe we take them for granted. Uh, think about something in your own life that, that happens with regularity, maybe every day, something that you do, that if you actually thought about it as a thing, you would say, I love doing that. I love doing that every day. Um, but in the, in the context of it, you kind of forget you're doing it, you know. For the coffee drinkers, coffee's a theme today. The first sip of coffee, if you love coffee, every morning it's, it's nice. It's good. Every morning it actually doesn't get old. And, but yet there are days when you take your first sip of coffee that you, you weren't present to the fact that, okay, I'm having another cup of coffee this morning. You were thinking about what's ahead or what's right in front of you. And I think there's lots of things like this in life, good things that we enjoy, but um, they're, they're beautiful, they're mysterious, you know, hearing a child laugh in the next, next room over, or um, sitting down with a friend that you love for an hour, like an uninterrupted hour over food and drink and just celebrating your friendship, or just even being together, just hanging out. Um, you can sit with a good friend an hour, and then a week later, another hour, a week later, another hour. It never gets old. And yet, in the context of it, you know, we can take it for granted. And I think that um, that's a little bit how I've been thinking about this prologue, just because of the reasons that I talked about that we almost skipped it. It's like, well, people are familiar. It's kind of a poetic introduction. Um, but this morning, as you listen, I want you to listen to it just with that idea of um, maybe this is the first time that you'll hear the Gospel of John read audibly in a room. It's possible. Um, maybe this is the hundredth time that you've heard it. I don't know. But it is one of those places in Scripture that we're really um, we're familiar with, and at times it, you know, we kind of move beyond it pretty quickly because we want to get into the story of what's to come. But today we're going to just rest in it. For the little time that we have, we're just going to sit in these beautiful words. Um, so as I read it, you can listen to it. This is the, the, gospel of J- the gospel according to John, beginning in chapter 1, beginning verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, And without him was not anything made that was made. 
In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. A prologue um, shapes what's to come. And it prepares us, like I said, for the story that um, we so easily grab onto. But I've been really amazed by this prologue. Uh, John, in in a very unique and special way, he presents something for us. He didn't just pick up his pen and start jotting down ideas. He was very intentional. In the beginning, using a phrase from Genesis 1, in the beginning, the word. And, and we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll break it down a little bit. But as I read it for you, what was your first impression this morning? Or your hundredth impression Were you just letting me do all the work? What stood out to you? I think um, you could read this, and on any given day, in any given moment, something special would rise up, and you'd grab onto that. In this room, we'd probably grab onto different things, even today. Before we talk about it verse by verse, we will go through it verse by verse very briefly. Um, I want to talk about just how John approaches his gospel. He's a little bit different than the other gospel writers. The other three we call the synoptics because they show, they show Christ, they reveal him, and they're, they're linked together even in the storyline. But John is a little bit different, and he even starts in a different place. The gospel of Mark um, begins with Jesus' adult ministry. In fact, in chapter 1, very early on in the gospel of Mark, We hear the words of Jesus himself proclaiming his own gospel. He says, the kingdom is at hand. The time is now. Repent and believe in the gospel, the good news. 
Luke goes back further. You know, you can think of Luke. We think of Jesus as the one foretold. So even Jesus' own family was foretelling his birth. So we have the birth of Jesus. Even his own relatives were prophesying about this coming Christ Messiah. That's where Luke starts. Matthew goes back a little bit further to the genealogy of Jesus. Matthew 1 begins um, with the lineage of Jesus traced back to Abraham, Father Abraham. So Jesus is in the lineage of the, the King David, um, Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. And, but John just starts entirely uh, in a different um, place. It's not even a time. He actually goes before time, before time exists. And he says the word was there. The word was with God. The word was God. And you can note, it's not until the end that John actually mentions the name of Jesus Christ. He kind of starts to build into who Jesus is, the person of Jesus' identity. As we contrast the storyline of John and the prologue of John, it's helpful to think about um, just what John is doing. Um, this was written by the disciple John. He, he identifies himself at the end of the story, which I think is beautiful. Like, get to the end of the letter. He doesn't even call himself by name, but he says, the one who was just in that story before, known as the, the beloved disciple, um, that's who's writing these words. That's what he says. I've written these words. And then he also, at the very end, he, he tells why he's writing the words. He says, I'm writing these words so that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in his name, you will have life. And the way he does it primarily is through um, the actual words of Christ. I love having a red-letter Bible because it kind of makes the words of Christ pop. And I just kind of page through the Gospel of John, and I, and just, I was captured and captivated once again by um, the words of Jesus and the power that they possess. Um, listen to how John actually captures the words of Christ. I mean, I'm going to read a few just familiar sayings of who Jesus is in his own voice. If you want to close your eyes and listen, if you just want to just think about how Jesus revealed himself, um, listen to the way that John quotes Jesus. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. The water that I give will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The hour is coming and is now here where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you abide in my words, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I am the door. 
If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, yet he dies, so shall he live. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. It's actually the words of Jesus that John draws out in his story. But the prologue describes Jesus, which, funny enough, isn't quite as moving because it's, it's harder to hold on to. It's, if you love poetry, you can probably spend all day in it. But if you're maybe not drawn to poetry or you know, high-minded language, you might just kind of skip over it and jump into the story, like we almost did. Um, but I want to point out, just holding it all together, what John does reveal. So he's describing the person of Jesus. That's how he starts his gospel, by describing who Jesus is. And then he allows the words of Jesus to move us. But we see here at the beginning, I, I, I mentioned it already, but I love how he just kind of holds out the name of Jesus Christ until the very end. And he goes back to creation, and he calls Jesus the Word. You have to put the whole thing together to connect all the dots, but he, he moves through this um, idea that Jesus is the Word. Because he says later, he says, the Word made flesh who dwelt among you. There's a contrast in verse 6. It says, there was a man sent by God. Oh, it's, he's not talking about Jesus here. He's talking about John the Baptist, who was a witness to the light. He was not the light. He was only pointing people to the light. The true light, which comes to everyone, was coming into the world. And yet, his own did not receive him, his own people. So this is a, a picture of the storyline of how Jesus will be rejected by his own people. And yet all who do receive him, he gives the right, the ability, the capability to become children of God, to take on that um, identity, not by our own volition, our own will, not by a bloodline, not by the work of our family line or even just our own flesh, but by the power of God, all who receive him, he gives the right to become children of God. He still hasn't mentioned the name Jesus Christ. It's amazing. And then I mentioned it in verse 14. We could, you know... John 1.14 is a good reference to know, John 1.14. And John 1.18 is also another one. But John 1.14, is, it's like John 3.16. It's one of those verses in the Bible where 
everything is, is coming together. And here we haven't even heard the name Jesus yet. The word became flesh. So that there's a really nice contrast. John makes all kinds of contrasts in his gospel throughout. He makes a contrast. So verse 6, there was a man sent from God, but the word became flesh. Okay? Jesus is not a man sent from God. That's John the Baptist, a witness to the light. Jesus is the word. The word who is God became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt there is a really cool word. It literally means he set up his tent and dwelt among the people. Eugene Peterson says he moved into the neighborhood. Um, it's, this, it's tabernacled. It says that the word became flesh and tabernacled among the people. And we have beheld, we have seen his glory. Not the glory of the Father, but the glory of the one, the only Son. And he's full of grace. He's full of truth. And it's just this beautiful unveiling of who Jesus is. Um, but because it's not in a story, we can sometimes miss sort of the, the, the tension. John is able with, within these verses to keep the tension of it's, it has this theological weight, yet it has this um, elegance. He's never forcing it. He's just kind of letting it come. And it truly is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so as we come to the end, we see that um, unlike the law, which came through Moses, um, something different comes through Jesus Christ. It's grace and truth. And then he's named Christ, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. This is the one who reveals the Father. That's verse 18. In fact, there's this reminder, which is um, just really resting among the people there, that you cannot see God. God is so holy. We sang holy, holy, holy. You cannot see God. Uh, Moses was allowed to see his backside as he passed by. Elijah had to hide in a, you know, like in the rocks, and the glory of the Lord passed by. Um, So the Hebrew people had a high view of just the holiness and the set-apartness of God, the glory of who God really is. But in verse 18, we have this picture that no one has ever seen God. The only God, and the ESV here, which I'm teaching from, is a kind of word-for-word translation, and word-for-word translations are great if you want to know, like, what does the Greek say? What does the Hebrew say? Uh, what, is ex- what is exactly being stated? Um, but sometimes they miss out on the thought of what's being communicated, and I think this is one of the places in Scripture, especially in the ESV translation particularly, that it is, it is a difficult um, phrase to, to translate. In fact, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. You can feel something's kind of hanging in there. You have to, it makes you um, try to figure it out. The only God can also be um, translated, the one and only Son 
who is himself God. That's how some translations put it. And I think that's helpful because if you read that, you may even have a footnote in your Bible kind of saying it can also be translated this way. If you put that all together in verse 18, no one has ever seen God, the one and only Son who is himself God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Even that, it's still a, a very full thought. The bottom line is that Jesus makes the Father visible. Later on, we'll see that in the storyline. Jesus says, when you see me, you see the Father. And he tells Philip, Philip, you're missing it. Have you missed it all along? You're still asking me to show you the Father? I and the Father are one. When you see me, you see the Father. And that's what we see here in 118, that Jesus reveals the Father. So that is a just kind of a quick walkthrough through the prologue of John chapter 1. And I think it'd be fun and interesting just to keep that in front of you as we go into the storyline of the gospel. Um, There will be lots of character development and just a lot of uh, drawing out of the stories of Jesus' life. And it's amazing. Um, But the thing that I, I think I want you to just just meditate upon here is everything is right here. I mean, there's not a lot of description about like how our sin has uh, separated us from God or, and there's just um, foreshadowing of the cross and the resurrection. But, I mean, verse 12 says it all. Whoever receives him believes in his name Uh, becomes a child of God. And that is the invitation of Jesus' life. That's to respond to his person. And the more that I trust Jesus, the more that I get to know him, and I say that cautiously, uh, the more that I um, have confidence in who I am in light of what Jesus has done for me in my life, um, the more I'm struck by the actual things that now we believe. Do you, if you believe in Jesus, if you, if you have received him, not by your own will or your own effort, but by believing in his name, Do you believe that you are a child of God? It's it's an amazing place to bring us and then to allow uh, the rest of the story to kind of play with that thought. But I want to challenge you um, to... Believe again. In Mark 9, we hear this. Lord, help me believe in my unbelief. There's this tension. Um, May I work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Um, Belief is so simple that this child can enter in and understand the way the kingdom of God works. Just believe in the name of Jesus 
and you are invited in to become a child of God. But as we grow and mature, um, I, I find myself drifting into unbelief. Do I really believe I'm a child of God? Do I really believe that I'm being renewed day by day into the image of who God is? And do I really believe that Jesus can do all this in my life? And so I want to invite you into that thought. Just, um, I'm going to invite the worship team up, and we're going to just close with a chorus that we sang earlier. And it's Hosanna, which is a cry, a Hebrew cry. Save us, Lord. It's calling out um, that comes later toward the end, but it, it still is relevant this morning. So allow me to pray for us and pray for you. Lord, thank you for John's gospel. Thank you for um, the way that it's been preserved and brought to us. God, thank you for the power in your word. And we can't make this up, Lord. We can't put this together. It's been inspired by your spirit and, and penned by one of your very own disciples. And we have this truth, this life, this light, this grace upon grace that has been um, offered to us and to the world. Lord, help us believe. Help us believe that you're true, that what you um, said about yourself is actually true, and that what's said about you in this prologue actually is life, is truth, is light. We praise you for it. We pray all this in Jesus' name.